Welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Swans, and today is the Feast of Pentecost. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. O God, who by the mystery of today's great feast, sanctify your whole church in every people and nation. Pour out, we pray, the gifts of the Holy Spirit across the face of the earth. And with the divine grace that was at work when the gospel was first proclaimed, fill now once more the hearts of believers. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. When Pentecost's day came around, the apostles had all met in one room, when suddenly they heard what sounded like a powerful wind from heaven, the noise of which filled the entire house in which they were sitting, and something appeared to them that seemed like tongues of fire. These separated and came to rest on the head of each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak foreign languages as the Spirit gave them the gift of speech. Now there were devout men living in Jerusalem from every nation under heaven. And at this sound they all assembled, each one bewildered to hear these men speaking his own language. They were amazed and astonished. Surely, they said, all these men speaking are Galileans? How does it happen that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes and Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya round Cyrene, as well as visitors from Rome, Jews and proselytes, alike Cretans and Arabs, we hear them preaching in our own language about the marvels of God. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord, send out your Spirit and renew the face of the earth. Lord, send out your Spirit and renew the face of the earth. Bless the Lord, my soul. Lord God, how great you are. How many are your works, O Lord. The earth is full of your riches. Lord, send out your Spirit and renew the face of the earth. You take back your Spirit, they die returning to the dust from which they came. You send forth your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the earth. Lord, send out your spirit and renew the face of the earth. May the glory of the Lord last forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works. May my thoughts be pleasing to him. I find my joy in the Lord. Lord, send out your spirit and renew the face of the earth. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Galatians. If you are guided by the Spirit, you will be in no danger of yielding to self-indulgence. Since self-indulgence is the opposite of the Spirit, the Spirit is totally against such a thing. And it is precisely because the two are so opposed that you do not always carry out your good intentions. If you are led by the Spirit, no law can touch you. When self-indulgence is at work, the results are obvious. 
fornication, gross indecency, and sexual irresponsibility, idolatry and sorcery, feuds and wrangling, jealousy, bad temper and quarrels, disagreements, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and similar things. I warn you now as I warned you before. Those who behave like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. What the Spirit brings is very different. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, trustfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There can be no law against things like that, of course. You cannot belong to Christ Jesus unless you crucify all self-indulgent passions and desires. Since the Spirit is our life, let us be directed by the Spirit. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Holy Spirit, Lord of light, from the clear celestial height, thy pure beaming radiance give. Come thou Father of the poor, come with treasures which endure, come thou light of all that live. Thou of all consolers best, thou the soul's delightful guest, dost refreshing peace bestow. Thou in toil art comfort sweet, pleasant coolness in the heat, solace in the mist of woe. Light immortal, light divine, visit thou hearts of thine, and our inmost being fill. If thou take thy grace away, nothing pure in man will stay, all his good is turned to ill. Heal our wounds, our strength renew, on our dryness pour thy dew. Wash the stains of guilt away. Bend the stubborn heart and will. Melt the frozen, warm the chill. Guide the steps that go astray. Thou on us with evermore, thee confess and thee adore. With thy sevenfold gifts descend. Give us comfort when we die. Give us life when thee on high. Give us joys that never end. Alleluia, alleluia. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in them the fire of your love. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. In the evening of the first day of the week, the doors were closed in the room where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them. He said to them, Peace be with you, and showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were filled with joy when they saw the Lord, and he said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father sent me, so am I sending you. After saying this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. For those whose sins you forgive, they are forgiven. For those whose sins you retain, they are retained. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The evangelist Luke sets the scene for the great event of Pentecost. Uh, he writes in the Acts of the Apostles that they'd all met in one room. This is how the apostles had spent the last eight days since the ascension of Jesus. We read that all the apostles joined in continuous prayer together with several women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. 
They're in the upper room, praying and waiting in expectation for the promise of Jesus to be fulfilled. He said that he would send them an advocate. And so here we see the early church, the mother of Jesus, the apostles, and the disciples all united in one voice of praise. And the mention of Jesus' mother and brothers is interesting. You know, we can see that the early church is described already as a family. Each in the upper room is related to Jesus. Now, Mary is uniquely privileged to be his mother. And the others are drawn into his family by being brothers and sisters of the Lord. But the bond drawing together this new family, it's not blood as it had been with the 12 tribes of Israel. No, now the bond of this new people of God, this new Israel founded on the 12 apostles, it's faith. They're all together in prayer and in praise. They're there in hope, obedient to the Lord's command to, you know, go back in Jerusalem and hopeful in the Lord's promise that that he would send the advocate. Now, of course, the nine days of prayer that uh, the apostles and Mary and the disciples uh, pray together, I mean, that's where we get the custom of, of the novena. But that picture in and of itself, doesn't it say something about who the church is? A family united in prayer, ordered in faith and hope towards Jesus? I love that picture. You know, it's the family that's waiting for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It's the family that's waiting to receive this gift of grace, this gift of holiness. That's us, surely. That's who we are. Well, we get to the Feast of Pentecost, right? It's celebrated 50 days after the Passover. Now, bear in mind, we celebrate the Feast of Pentecost, but it was originally a Jewish festival, right? That's why everyone's in Jerusalem. That's why all the people from around the world have gathered, because Pentecost... Jewish festival, and in fact, it's a pilgrimage festival. So every Jewish male had the obligation of of making his way to Jerusalem in order to offer sacrifice in the temple. So there are people from everywhere. Now, they're there to celebrate Pentecost. Like Pentecost is a Greek word that means 50th because it's celebrated 50 days after the Feast of Passover. So count them up, right? So Jesus appeared to his disciples after the resurrection, the resurrection that happens at the Passover, appears to them for 40 days, ascends into heaven. Then we pray for nine days, the novena, right? What have we done? 49 days, seven weeks. And then comes Pentecost. In Hebrew, it was known as the Feast of Weeks because it was seven weeks after Passover. So remember what Passover was all about. Passover recalled the time when God rescued his people from slavery in Egypt. You remember the Passover lamb, the blood on the doorposts and lintel, the angel of death, Pharaoh driving the Israelites out. Well, they go through the Red Sea, they arrive at the foot of Mount Sinai, and then this 50th day, they commemorate the covenant that God entered into 
with his people. There at the foot of Mount Sinai were these 12 tribes, and God claimed them as his own, and they promised to be his people. Now, God made his presence manifest on Mount Sinai by really powerful signs, by wind and by flame. And we can see now that the same thing's happening on this new Pentecost day, 50 days after the true Passover, when the Passover lamb was sacrificed. And now we see the ratification, the manifestation of a new covenant. And God shows himself in wind and in flame. God takes to himself a new people. It's the establishment of a new bond. But there's a pretty big difference, right? Moses brought down the Ten Commandments from Mount Sinai. The sign of their adherence to the covenant was their obedience to the Ten Commandments. Look at how we live. We live according to God's word. And that's the sign that he's our God and we are faithful to this bond that we have in him. But here we see something slightly different, right? Now, the sign of belonging to God's people is not adherence to the Ten Commandments. It's not, you know, the law that's written in stone. Instead, it's now the gift of the Holy Spirit, the presence of God poured into the apostles. That's going to be the true sign of belonging to God's people. It's the presence of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to be born into a tribe in order to belong to this people of God. You need to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's the presence of the Holy Spirit that draws the church into one and that makes her the new people of God. Now, importantly, this reveals something fundamental about the church. It belongs to God. Pope Benedict, in a homily that he preached on Pentecost, he he reminded us of this. He said that the church is not born from the human will, from man's reflection or from his ability or from his organizational capacity. If this was so, she would have ceased to exist long ago, as happens with all that is human. Instead, the church is the body of Christ, enlivened by the Holy Spirit. So here's the thing, right? The Feast of Pentecost reveals to us how closely we're drawn together. A true communion of persons gathered together, a family of brothers and sisters with the Lord in the company of his mother, united in the common act of prayer and of praise. We've been made one in receiving the Holy Spirit We're incorporated into the body of Christ, into the church. So there's a pretty powerful link that's established here, right? Between the establishment of the covenant of the 12 tribes of Israel, the covenant in Moses, and now its fulfillment in the covenant in Christ, in Christ's blood. Because the gift of the Holy Spirit, right? It's God himself. What is poured out upon the apostles is nothing other than God himself. And so, what's in them? It's divine life. What's in us? It's divine life. 
Think about how closely God has drawn us to himself then. He didn't gather us together as a politician might pull together a group of supporters. He didn't gather us together like a coach pulling in a team. He didn't gather us together as a boss taking on employees. No, it's a relationship that Jesus describes as abiding, living in us, and we in him. Now that's communion. That's finding that God is so intimately linked to you and to me that he's closer than our own selves. But look at the upshot, right? If I have the gift of the Holy Spirit and you have the gift of the Holy Spirit, look how closely we're drawn together. We're brought into a unity. In fact, the intimacy in which we're brought together is described by St. Paul Best. He says, well, you know, Christ is the head. We're the members. We're so closely united to one another as to parts of a body. Why? Because we're all alive by God's divine life. We're all alive through the gift of the Holy Spirit. You know, when we take this picture of Pentecost, um, we start to see just how scandalous division is within the church. And there's plenty of it there, right? Um, Certainly between Christians, among the different denominations, Catholic, Protestant, Orthodox. um, But even within our own church. There are so many divisions, so many factions, and often such an unwillingness to be merciful or civil. You know what? I think this Pentecost, it would be good for us all to place ourselves in the crowd. All of those gathered outside of the upper room And to hear Peter burst forth from the upper room, filled with the Holy Spirit, and proclaim the good news once more. The absolute basics. Jesus of Nazareth, the Son of God, suffered, died, and rose again for the forgiveness of our sins and so that we might be rescued from our own deaths. I think if we get back to basics back to the essentials, the essence of our faith, then we've got a solid foundation for a newfound unity. The powerful proclamation of the gospel brought 3,000 in number after Peter had finished speaking. So let's ask the Holy Spirit to fill the church with the power of proclamation once more and let's be the first to receive it. Let's be the first to be reconverted, to hear the gospel once more, and to be drawn into the new people of God, to be drawn into the body of Christ. Thanks for praying with us, and may God bless you abundantly, 
so that this day may give glory to God the Father.